we the people won. We voted out corruption, big corporations. We voted for an end to war and new direction. And we ain't gonna stop now until the job is done. Come on, all good workers, this year is our time. Now there's folks in Washington that care what's on our minds. Come on, come on, voters, let's all vote next time. Show them which side are you on now, which side are you on? Which side are you on now, which side are you on? Which side are you on now? Which side are you on? Which side are you on now? Which side are you on? Which side are you on now? Which side are you on? Thirty years of digging got us in this hole. The curse of Reaganomics has finally taken its toll. Lord knows the free market is everything but free. It costs dearly to the planet and the likes of you and me. I don't need no money lender sucking on my tits. A little socialism don't scare me one bit. We could do a whole lot worse than Europe or Canada. Come on, Mr. President. Come on, come Which side are you 
with this technology to make direct, direct democracy possible. Because I really believed that one of the main problems in our world today is the inability for people to easily participate in politics. And so from that, I started imagining the creation of a political party. And I called it the Cooperative Party. And I started making a website and gathering a group of people together. And about a month or two in, this party in, uh, called the Flux Party actually uh, reached out to me and asked me about my party and to see if I wanted to get involved with them. And I was just so impressed by what they had been doing in Australia with the Flux Party that I decided to take my party and connect it with theirs. And that was about the end of 2016. And then we officiated with the FEC um, a political action committee uh, for the Flux Party at the beginning of this year. And since then, it's been somewhat uh, focused on the Internet right now, just in getting a video built and a website and things like that. And I've also been traveling overseas. So uh, now we're kind of getting ready towards kicking off the campaign um, movement that we want to have for the 2018 midterm elections. And so that's uh, something I also want to talk about with you guys. But that's the basic story of how I got involved with the Flux Party. Thank you very uh, much. Nick, I was going to say, Nick, please. Yeah, uh, so you, you, you're mentioning that the midterm elections are coming up. Um, where is the Flux Party going to be starting? Are you guys going to be doing uh, federally or state-wise? Like how, how, where are you guys going to approach it first? That's really going to be up to the state parties that get involved. There are some uh, prospective candidates that want to start right away with going for federal. Um, and then otherwise, it just depends on the different groups that get involved with us and what they see themselves focusing on most. Well, I'm excited to say that I'm I'm involved with the um, – Draft Bernie uh, People's Party And I would like to bring you together With Nick Brena Who is the leader of that party To have a dialogue Because if I believe If we took The people that are in The Draft Bernie movement And married it with the Flux Party We would, we would have a Home run and, that would uh, that sounds really amazing. I'd love to talk to Nick. Um, I will suggest uh, friends with you on Facebook and and try to get us together. Um, we can we can do a show and and we can also do. A, I have a Zoom room that we could have a conference in. Awesome. And I'll invite so you to that back. as well. I'm sorry. I go ahead. To get Nick. back to. That's okay. It's okay. No, I just wanted to get back to the representatives again. So uh, do you have representatives now representing any state or any federal? Like, or, and, and if you no, do, how not uh, – we don't have anybody that's officially representing us at the moment. Right now we're working more on the stages of just reaching out and finding representatives. We have somebody in Pennsylvania that wants to run, and that's our basically our only representative right now that's really, like, nailed it down that they want to represent us. And then otherwise, um, just me and Morgan Griffiths, the uh, 
another person that's kind of helping with the facilitation of this party. He's in Seattle, and then um, I'm in Chicago. So we would be interested in doing whatever we can to get ourselves on the ballot. And I think the main first step is obviously um, reaching out to the community and taking the necessary steps to getting signatures or any other things necessary for ballot access. Right. Yeah, and that's going to be the, you know, I, I'm not trying to discourage you, but obviously it's, it's going to be the major obstacle is obviously well, trying to get, to, to, get, to get on the ballot, right? Because you know how they, they treat third parties, you know. Oh, but, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, going back to your party, the Flex Party, what is the political platform? Do you, do you guys have one? The political platform is entirely focused on the idea of getting a politician who is basically surrogate to our uh, voting app that's built on the blockchain and so that the people are able to participate in every decision that's put through Congress. And so the platform is kind of like a non-platform platform, if you would say. It doesn't have an ideology. It just, it is. That's great. No, that's it's great because if, uh, no, the reason why I say that stuff is because if I've like I'm from Canada, and a lot of parties here that uh, that say they're direct democracy when you actually read their platform, they're not direct democracy at all. They're just totally something else. And the parties right. that are direct democracy, too much policy. Uh, I don't think mm-hmm. they're getting the point of direct democracy. The whole point right. of it is that it's supposed to be no ideology. It's supposed to be unbiased, and it's supposed to uh, let the people decide what they want to do constitutionally uh, or exactly. So I, I, right. I mean, I totally agree with that. That's fantastic to hear. Yeah. And we, um, we try very hard to keep our language uh, unbiased, you know, even though like it seems like in early stages, a lot of times it's a lot of progressives. Like if, if you were going to put any sort of lean on people's political opinions, we still are trying to make it very important to the party that we don't make our ideology ideology seem left or right because ultimately we believe that what people really want is more something that we can all agree on when it comes to the the particular issues and it's really just when things become really generalized that there's more of a polarization right yeah and i find that if you have a, a platform uh then right away that's where you call, you create the conflict because someone's mm-hmm. ideology is to the right and yours might be to the left, and then you get into this whole argument that you really didn't want to get into. So, I mean, I agree. The the, the simpler the platform is, the the way better is the way better it is. So this way, uh, there's uh, there's no bias towards one side or the other. Um, mm-hmm. Now, going back to what you were talking about the blockchain, uh, I find that fascinating. I, obviously, I don't know enough about it, but can you explain? What, what blockchain technology is? Basically, what the blockchain is, is a distributed ledger system where the Internet is sort of separated into the whole world of, uh, okay, uh, right now, the best way to explain it is how the Internet works now, is in a very linear fashion. Like, most of the information is held on servers, like at Google warehouses, where a transaction or anything that happens on the internet goes in one straight line 
and it's very unsecure because everything is transferred at the same time and any hacker, any person that gets in the way of that line is able to manipulate the information. The way that the blockchain works is that since it's distributed to com the miners all around the, the planet, then and it's basically broken into like a mathematical algorithm and then reconnected at the destination, then it's basically impossible to be able to manipulate. Or if there's any sort of manipulation, it's immediately noticed and able to be uh, adjusted or, you know, taken action against. I mean, obviously we've seen in some blockchain, there's been some problems with how it can be susceptible to certain problems, just like anything on the internet can be. But the thing that's most remarkable about it is how quickly everybody notices that something happens and how, able, how quickly they're able to uh, make the adjustments necessary. So instead of it going to one main server and one main line, like you, you explained the, the linear part, does it, go to, uh, does it go through different smaller computers type thing, like personal type computers? Yeah, like, so for instance, with Bitcoin, there's these Bitcoin miners uh, all around the world who have computers that are dedicated. And I mean, you could even use your personal computer, though. The dedicated computers are just so powerful that they really take up most of the um, mining power. And those computers sort of act as this uh, conduit for transactions that are made on the Bitcoin network, which are made into blocks. So you make some sort of transaction on the Bitcoin network or whatever other coin, because there's hundreds, if not thousands of them out there now. And whatever you record will then be made permanent on this chain through all the other computers that are out there. And so then it's, it's held in this system permanently. Uh, thing, examples of how blockchain is already being used is, for instance, um, they're using it for like land trusts already in places like Honduras or other countries where there's been government instability and people have actually lost their land because their uh, trusts with the, comp with the government are unreliable. And so these blockchain uh, trusts actually are permanent and held on the internet in proof to be verified. And uh, also there's, there's a lot of applications that are coming up in all different sectors of banking and just uh, transactions. Also, like uh, there's a thing called the DAO, the Decentralized Autonomous Organization, which is a platform for making apps and websites and different internet-based um, applications that are completely decentralized so that basically nobody owns it and everybody can have an influence on how it functions. So it seems to me that the blockchain is a democratization of the uh, of the structure of what's going to be the future of what we're going to be built on yeah and in many ways it is like the democratization of the internet right right it's beautiful it's so, so beautiful so in terms because you know I get a lot of people telling me that direct democracy is not going to work because uh you know, it's going to cost a lot of money for ballot boxes and this and that. And, I, and uh, can you prove to people, if let me just say, if the states were to implement direct democracy, to have a referendum? Uh, we use, the, you know, we use the, the federal level as an example. What it, what would it cost that, to have a referendum using block blockchain technology to have a referendum 
on the on the uh, on the federal level. Would you know? I'm not totally certain about that, uh, but from the stress tests that we've had on our voting app, where we actually used the blockchain and you, we had to buy bitcoins, um, I would say that the actual transaction cost would be, you know, in the only hundreds of dollars. And then otherwise, it's just <laughs> simply an app. Mm-hmm. That's, it's so, the power is so incredible. And see, oh, it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. There's so many people, especially the people who are in power right now, that have no clue what's going on technology wise. And mm-hmm. um, they don't see this coming. Okay. Oh, um, it's, the people, it's amazing. The people that are in the know, like we are, um, <laughs> I'm sure you could see them hitting the wall very soon, as I do. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> it's so and true. Yeah, why... we had um... – sorry, go ahead, Stephanie. I'm sorry, and that's – I'm just so excited because I know once – if we can marry the Flux Party with – the draft Bernie movement because then because everything Bernie stands for basically is the people having the voice. I mean, yes, he has the majority of, of the voice if people were really heard. Um, and he, it's such a beautiful evolution. I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited about it. I'm, I'm sorry. I can't just that's say definitely enough one it. of our, that's one of our dreams really is that, we don't even have to elect new representatives. I mean, well, obviously with the Bernie campaign that we would, you know, unite with them and we would just have a lot more assets and people to get involved. But ultimately, like, it's a similar example of sort of, you know, working together with already existing establishments. And it's one of our dreams that once things are really rolling, that certain politicians see how beneficial this is and will just like sort of become you know, offer their vote into the system. And it's just a matter of time. Uh, actually, in Australia, in the last regional election in, the, in Western Australia, there were only, I think it was 83 votes from winning a seat. And that would have been the first time in history that a politician was using this sort of surrogate idea to be a, you know, to use the blockchain direct democracy. And right. uh, it, it was a, definitely a disappointment for us. This was just back in March uh, that we just barely lost that one seat. Oh, I'm sorry. But it shows but how a, it shows how close. Mm-hmm. That's but that's but if you really think about it, it's it's it is a, a huge step. I mean, you were uh, a few percentage points away from actually winning a seat. So that, that in my mind, that's that's very successful because I mean, I mean, still to this day in 2017, there's still a lot of people out there that are in the dark when it comes to direct democracy. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, the government is, uh, or the mainstream is uh, doing their best to try to suppress it. But you know, right. I mean, an idea can never die, as uh, one person mentioned. I think it might have been Ron Paul, but you know, ideas can't die. So I mean, eventually, it's it, it will seep through. But you were mentioning that app. Uh, you were mentioning the app now, uh, because a lot of people, and, and again, I, I get you know. A lot of people telling me direct democracy will work because people are not educated enough, and I, you know, I obviously um, disagree with that. But is this app very user friendly? And if you want to uh, get into details of the app, that 
is something we really want to have is it be as most user friendly and simple as possible. And one of the things that's involved with that is that we don't really want to like put any sort of opinion on the votes. We just want to put the information as it stands to the congressman, to the people, so that they sort of have their own choice. And some other parties have criticized us for that, saying, you know, you know, you have to become, I think there's some group called We Vote or something that, that's one of their main criticisms is that we don't want to educate our voters on each of the votes. But yeah. the way we see it is that if we start educating voters through our system, then it'll inherently make some sort of bias. And we imagine right. that a third party may eventually um, step up and start educating the voters on for our system. But we don't want to be the people that do that because we want to just commit ourselves so dearly to the being unbiased. Um, right. But so for the, the app, uh, it's, it's not finished yet. Uh, we had a stress test in March, which was done on the Bitcoin network using the back end of the app. So like the, the programming. And it was able to process 1.5 billion votes in a 24-hour period. So uh, we, we believe that's a world, a world record because, I mean, nobody's really even done this before. And wow. that's actually one of, one of the main criticisms of the blockchain and using Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies is that it's so gruelingly slow. But our programmer, um, he's actually this guy named Max K. He's in Australia. And he, him and a guy named Nathan uh, Spataro, the, in, in a sense, the figureheads that have really like done the most imagining of this movement. Uh, Max is the programmer, and he invented this thing. I think it's called Copperfield, which allows us to be able to use the Bitcoin network in a way faster pace than has ever been possible before. And it also wow. is invented to make it so that the voting system is, is especially like transparent, but at the same time secure so that nobody could be forced to vote in a particular way. Like, you know, somebody sitting over you while you're at your computer telling you to vote. Um, there's a lot of like features that uh, protect you to be able to have your vote be secret, but also be able to verify your vote to make sure that it's not being manipulated. And that's the important part of the transparency is people are afraid of the Internet and using the Internet because of hacking and things of the past. But we've put a lot of effort into making it as secure as possible and as transparent as possible that's so people can be the most competent. And the app is actually called Secure Vote. Well, that's, 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 that's amazing that it can process so many votes. I mean, I guess that, um, that can, you know, we could put that whole population thing to rest about too mm -hmm. many people and this and that. that. That is incredible. Wow, that's incredible. I'm, I'm floored. I'm just, I'm, wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a really it's really exciting what's going on and uh it's happening so quickly too. I mean, it's it's definitely also slow. I mean, it's already been um I've I've been a part of the movement for almost 6 months now or so and uh it originated actually in Australia almost 2 years ago, I believe, but originally it was in, as focused on the blockchain. It was called the neutral voting block. And the main point was to use what uh, in Australia, I think, is called the priority voting system, where you can vote, you know, one, two, three, four, I think all ranked, the way up to like 10 or so. Mm -hmm. Ranked choice. It's called ranked choice, mm -hmm. yes. And, and then also you can 
um, to do block votes where at the top of the ballot, there's like a, just a single box you can check for a whole group of votes. And so the idea with the neutral voting block was to connect a bunch of third parties together to really increase their chances of winning. And they saw how possible it was to do this and then how applicable blockchain could be. And that led them to then creating the flux party and sort of combining the two ideas. And it was using that method of connecting with all these other third parties Hello? Did we lose you? Hello? Anybody there? Hello? 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 Can you hear me? Yes. Nick, are you there? Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, we, we dropped okay. out. Something happened there. Hmm. Um, but yeah, just... That's a little bit more about Australia. Australia is the most active of the flux parties, uh, but we actually have groups that are working towards registration in Brazil uh, and in England. And there's a party that was already formed called the STEM party that joined us uh, just back in March in Netherlands. Oh, excellent. Yeah, that's so exciting. I think that's five countries. That's amazing. That's really exciting. You're fading out there, Nick. We can't hear you. Can you hear me now? No. No. Okay. You might want to ask the question, Stephanie. And now I can hear you. Okay. No, what I was saying was, uh, have you been getting more third-type parties calling you guys or trying to reach out to you to try to join in the United States, uh, it's not as much. I haven't really done a lot of work here in the United States yet. I'm actually kind of like at the beginning stages. We just launched, we're, we're actually like still just launching our website. Uh, we kind of, we put it online a couple of weeks ago, but it's still a work in progress. And then we made a video and that was released less than a month ago. And so in the United States, it's still like a very, very fresh thing happening. Um, in Australia, I think there's still just been tons of progress. I notice on their Facebook page, they end up having like almost 500 or 1,000 new likes every week. Like every time I check, wow. they've got, you know, a ton more people getting involved. Oh, that's great. Wow. Um, to- and there are, there are similar parties to what the Flex is doing. They're, they're actually, believe it or not, there's one in Australia, and it's kind of spilt over here to Canada uh, in the Northwest Territories. It's called the uh, Online direct democracy, uh, and uh, they're using the technology uh, like, like you guys are. I don't know if it's blockchain or not, but it's basically voting through, uh, through apps uh, or setting up referendums through the, uh, through the web. Um, so I don't know if you've heard them uh, about them. They, yeah, they we've are heard of them also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, go ahead. I think you wanted to ask a question. Well, actually, I wanted to tell him about, about how – we started how we came about the uh, International Direct Democracy Union. I'd love to hear that. Um, I had started after Bernie had lost the um, primary. I ran for Congress myself as a Green Party candidate uh, supporting Bernie. And um, after 
he uh, lost the primary. I rescinded my campaign and um, just felt very strongly that I wanted to have direct democracy now um, from my experience with Occupy Wall Street. I envisioned a community basically like a living Occupy Wall Street, an an intentional progressive uh, community. So Mm -hmm. I made a Facebook group called Sandersville Living Direct Democracy. And I have a lot of people that joined and we talk about our fantasy of doing this and I'm trying to uh, make it a reality in a a number of different ways. But uh, that's how Nick found me. Nick uh, found the Facebook group, joined, and we started talking. And I had just started the radio show with a friend of mine, uh, Chris Karras. And uh, he had had to stop doing the show. Nick took over, and Anthony came in. And I believe we have Anthony on the line now. Um, But at any rate, to make a long story short. um, That's a great segue. (laughs) Um, we started doing the radio show and uh, we became more involved with other different direct direct democracy groups on Facebook and uh, I just said look we have to all get together and really promote this you know and we just said and I founded the union we all said we're in and now we're trying to uh Get nonprofit uh, wrecking, uh, under a nonprofit's umbrella, so that's where we are now. But this just started awesome. in uh, in February. We just got together. Yeah. So basically, uh, Alex, there's. Uh, I mean, we have uh, people from Greece, uh, people from Romania, uh, people from Brazil, uh, Bulgaria, Cyprus, Bulgaria. So uh, Finland. We have uh, someone from Finland. So we have quite a span of people that uh, started their own groups on Facebook. And actually there are a few that actually, there's a guy, Pedro from Finland. uh, He ran uh, for politics in Helsinki uh, under direct democracy. Unfortunately he lost, but you know what? It's still putting the word out there for people that are not aware of it. Um, You're fading out a little bit, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, what are the I wasn't ways able to, to stop? I'm sorry to stop you. I wasn't able to hear your argument, and I'm not sure others were able to either. Uh, did, uh, you were saying, if I'm not mistaken, that even if someone loses running on an open platform, that it still gets uh, PR, still gets uh, attention and, and publicity for uh, for the movement. Like it's yeah, even that, a, even losing I is don't a loss in situation. Yeah, I don't want them to lose. I mean, we had a party out here in uh, British Columbia the Refederation Party, and they ran, and they had three reps, three representatives, and they lost. And But, you know, nobody, even themselves, knew that they were going to win because, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people are just still asleep. I hate to say it. But, you know what, it's still a success story because people, there are some people that have seen it and have gotten themselves educated on it. So, you know, in, in a way, it's a win-win, right? So, um, but I was going to ask, uh, oh, by the way, welcome, welcome to the show, Anthony. Uh, good to be here. Hey, Anthony. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're just talking to Alex from the uh, Flux Party, uh, United yeah, States. Yeah, sorry, Party. I, I uh, took so long to, to join you. Uh, what was, uh, I, I'm, uh, did, 
did he already describe his process for uh, for what got him into this? I, I'm, I've always uh, been sort of fascinated by everyone's uh, everyone's initiation process. What happened that made them realize that? Uh, yes, I mean, we all kind of know we've been duped, but uh, the question is what what brings people to uh, direct democracy in particular? Yes, he gave us his story. You missed it. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I'll have to listen in later. Well, what are, what are some? I mean, what are some ways, Alex, that we could uh, reach out to people to try to educate them on direct democracy? I mean, have you? What are ways that you use? You're fading out, Nick. Yeah, hi. Uh, yeah, just Hello? the last part you were saying. No, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I apologize. Uh, I'm in a really bad area. Uh, no, I was just saying, how can we get the message out? What are, what are some good ways? <laughs> you you faded out again. <laughs> okay, uh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay, so I just want to know what are some good ways to get the message out about direct democracy? I think that Right now, uh, social media is one of the most powerful tools for spreading an idea. But when it comes to actually accomplishing it, I think that you can't be action. And right now, the possibility of getting people united on the ground with an idea like this and really succeeding, I think, is really high because there is a huge frustration with the current parties that exist. I think uh, some poll that was done I don't know if it was Politico or which polling group said uh, just a couple of years ago that people were already at a 60% uh, amount of people that were saying that they were thinking that a new party should arise because the current ones weren't doing us justice. And now we can imagine that a couple of years later, that number has got to be even higher. And when you talk to people, you don't find very many people that are completely satisfied with the current parties. So I was really feeling what Stephanie was saying about, you know, kind of a new, more permanent Occupy sort of mentality of people uniting. And I think that something like this has a lot of potential to go from the ground up and get people united and working together in a more permanent way and very fluid also. I, I was uh, heavily involved with the Occupy movement also, and it was amazing what was accomplished but you also saw a lot of the deficiencies of, you know, making it possible with so many people being, you know, in a, in a, in a park and, you know, kind of combining this survival aspect, though right. camping in the park was a huge political statement. It also, in some ways, distracted from other possible political um, right. messages that could have been made. And so we see that using these online direct democracy tools as a really good potential for uniting people and that I think it's more, it's a domino effect in many ways is that as soon as it's shown what's capable, then it's going to just explode. But in the early stages, I think what we need to do is just use social media and do what we can to get action and connection on the ground. Absolutely. So you're talking more like door to door, like uh, canvassing. Yeah, door-to-door and uh, just meeting up in towns and using current, I mean, a lot of it using current networks like the Occupy networks that were built, um, other movements and nonprofits, uh, reaching out to just, even even I was thinking a lot about just cooperative uh, businesses and grocery stores and things like that, you know, getting bulletins put up in different places that 
inform people about what's happening because like you were saying before it's an education issue right now a lot of people just don't even realize it's possible and maybe they hear about it in passing and then just you know uh file it away because they don't really see it as being a reality they see it more as a pipe dream yep no they just can't get over the fact that that they they can participate in a democracy. They just, they're just so uh, they're just so stuck on on this uh, old system of uh, this old representative they've, system that they can only trust the representatives to do that. Go ahead. Anthony, they've go been ahead. they've been trained to think this way. It, this is all right. this is all uh, you know. This is no coincidence. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, the message true. I'm trying to the message I'm trying to to push out, and maybe you agree with this, Alex, or or you don't. It's uh, we had a slogan, and we we said uh, no left, no right, just direct. So basically, yeah. the message we're trying to we're trying to convey is is that listen, there are no ideologies when it comes to direct democracy. It's just a bunch of people coming to a table, like Anthony always mentions. It's, it's a bunch of people coming to yeah. a table to negotiate, and you can have a left way of thinking, or you can have a right way of thinking. But we have all have to keep in mind that you know we're working together here, guys. We're all on the same team at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And also, fun- functionally, a lot of these a lot of these mediums are set up where you don't even know the ideology of the person proposing an idea. It's, it's not even it's not even a question of whether or not we can get people to agree to be less uh, di- diverse or divisive or whatever. Um, it, it, it's just it's built into the system where it, it's simply a question of do you think this is a good idea? Or, or do you think this is the best idea, or do you think that's the best idea? You know, it's, yeah. it's, there's not even room for left or right in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we at the Flux Party, we take very seriously a idea of politics that's sort of different than anything we've ever really heard about before, in the sense that we see it as a progression of knowledge in a similar way as science, is that what we're really looking for is a way to achieve the best political policies and find the best ways to organize societies and allow it to be able to transform and be criticized just like science is. And so what we really want to accomplish is building that system. And we are, we consider it in a sense, a a truth machine, like this direct democracy system, like the ability to get people to talk about things that are political and sort of like, you know, with science, it's a lot about more about fact, you know, what can be replicable. But when it comes to politics and morals and things like that, it's more based on truth or what's rooted in the idea of um, faithfulness or in, you know, what can't really be proven exactly, but what we agree upon. And we see that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we're missing that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Sorry. And we also see it possible on a small scale from like just city to city or neighborhood to neighborhood. There should be a scalability of allowing people to participate together and to learn about their values in different formats, uh, depending on where they are. And that's why I see potential with the flux party from the federal all the way down to the most local. But do you think that, if you want to start, if you want to implement democracy, is it uh, is it easier to start on a local level, on a state level, or a federal level? Would it be easier? Which which way would be easier? Would you or what? The easiest. 
definitely the the way that's going to be able to be implemented so that it's just can be because a lot of it I mean is going to be an experiment. Uh, it's never been really done before. So once we actually get a politician in office, we're going to pro- encounter plenty of problems and things that we need to revision and adjust and also notice the ways that it's really going successfully. And so to be able to even just get started in our learning process, local is going to be the best way for sure and the most possible way. You Finding a community that's already pretty open-minded to technology and already really ready for something like this and, you know, in, in the sort of mindset to vote in a new direction. And then I think that going with the federal level is more of exposure and also pre- preparing the party for the necessary requirements of becoming national party and fulfilling like FEC requirements and the such. So it's important to go from all levels at the same time. But when it comes to actual implementation, I think the local level will be first. Well, that was Can my, I... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I would just like to add to that. There's, there's one other uh, strategy which, which might also work, which is uh, to build something really well in and of, its, uh, in and of itself and it's, and of a, a process in and of itself, as a process in and of itself. And then uh, when people see that that infrastructure is extremely effective, whether the community is a purely digital one that's uh, spread out or whether that's mm-hmm. something that uh, a particular uh, activist start uh, using and finding incredibly effective, um, really all we need is a process that's far better and a community that shows that it works. You know, and yeah, that, that's for one, sure. one ins- inspiring thing about the Sandersville project is uh, if we could have these uh, open source uh, builders help us to make uh, our energy and our, our clean water and everything that we need, and we could have a community that demonstrated that, that and we had a governance technology that worked very effectively, uh, like uh, direct democracy. I, I advocate for digital uh, versions myself. Um, but uh, and whatever works, you know, we just we really just need to show people that there is a better way. Mm. What was the project you mentioned? Sanders- Sandersville. That's Sander- how, uh, oh, Sandersville, yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that, I mean, if we have a community that's the model, and say, well, see how this is working here, then mm-hmm. then it really becomes real because it's in it's real life. It's not an yeah. abstract idea. But yeah, and that's how ideas really here. spread. No, I just want to play devil's advocate here. I mean, Sandersville is a great it. idea, I re- and I really <laughs> I really support it. Now, see, where I'm from, I'm from, uh, I'm just outside of Toronto, right? So we're part of the province of Ontario. And so, you know, all the, all the towns and cities get funding from the province. So because uh, we're so entrenched in the representative system, uh, you know, I would fear if a city or a town would go direct democracy that they would get dogged and all the corporations would just pack up and leave. And, and actually I would – and, and my point is, is that um, I think to be very effective, I think you would have to organize provincially here in Canada and in the, in the state uh, down, down south only because you would have more control – because uh, all the power, most of the power is in the province or in the state, is it not? Can I can I ask a question about that mm. though? 
Because yeah. uh, if, if say say we sit at Sandersville and we had these uh, we had built our energy systems or water systems uh, and corporations quote unquote left, then if we have everything we need, then we're just proving that people don't need these stupid jobs. It would it would be a double win. As long as we have what we need, they would still sell those things. Uh, we you know like uh, so really as long as as we can be prosperous, then then we've demonstrated that it works. Oh no no I and, and I mean uh, I would love to to live in a community that's uh, that's self-sustaining mm-hmm. absolutely but I'm just thinking about all the projects that you would or the money that you would need to be yeah. self-sustaining and I mean that mm-hmm. you would get your money from the province and I, I'm I'm pretty sure that our province of Ontario would not give money to the city of let's say Toronto to be self-sustaining only because the representative system is gone now and they're pissed off they the, the Politicians on the uh, provincial level are, are really pissed and feel obviously threatened that they're going to say, "Okay, you know what? We're going to fix these guys." And mm-hmm. I, that's, I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. If I better, if we can organize federally. Uh, sorry. Mm-hmm. I like uh, I like wise. that idea definitely. Um, I I, that's a, I think that's an important point, but that kind of goes into an idea that's for me it's separate than flux but it's very connected in the sense of the importance of the voting system is that I'm really interested in cooperative business. And it's one of my dreams to utilize the technology of flux to make it possible to have larger scale cooperative business. And I see that in this sort of place like Sandersville that, you know, pretty much all the businesses that already exist with people power. I mean, imagine if just like everybody stopped shopping at a shop for just a couple of weeks, like it would go out of business. So really it's just needs the people power to unite with an idea and we could cooperatize all the existing businesses. You know, I imagine like I joke around, like, you know, make our cooperative McDonald's our cooperative Walmart. And, you know, we just take over the, the existing structure and then put in whatever the people want, you know, whether it's organic or local or, you know, however we want to pay the employees, whatever we want to do, yeah. but just utilize the existing infrastructure, but with a new um, sort of governance. Well, I am totally for that. cooperatives. Yeah, I'm totally for cooperatives. I've I've always been a, a big proponent for for cooperatives. Um, yeah. It, like people, yeah, cooperatives really people, need. Sorry. People talk about seizing. I'm sorry. Uh, people keep talking about seizing the means of production, but if you don't have the means of decision-making, how can you possibly do that? That is how exactly. you do it. So we shouldn't mm-hmm. even say seize the means of production so much as seize the means of decision-making, but I, I guess it's just not as catchy. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Totally. That's that's so essential cuz I mean, when you come when if we're only seizing the production, then we're really risking the possibility of just falling back into some sort of authoritarianism. Right. Yep. What are they going to do with their power? Exactly mm-hmm. what they've always done. Mhm. So, okay. uh, I mean, like okay, besides Sandersville, I mean, what other uh, city in in the states would you think could could go this route? I think there's quite a few um, cities. Right now, I'm imagining places like uh, Fairfield, Iowa, Asheville, North Carolina, um, like Arcata. Burlington, Vermont. Burlington, Burlington, Vermont. Vermont. Exactly. Burlington, Vermont. Um, Yeah, uh, like Arcata. uh, And and, uh, I don't know, even like places, maybe even like Portland 
or Eugene, Oregon. Uh, right. Just like kind of like on the smaller side of places that, and I've even like imagined if we could get people excited and moving, do something kind of like the libertarians have been doing, which is like getting people to move to change a political de- a de- or demograph, a political demograph, like yeah. how they're getting people to move to New Hampshire. If we get people excited about, you know, taking over basically, there's so many towns out there that are basically like empty and like, you know, falling, basically falling apart. Like one I was really amazed by was uh, the capital of Maine. Um, Augusta, it's slipping yeah. my mind. Augusta. Augusta. It's like empty. There's just like huge buildings and there's nobody there. If just like a thousand people moved into that town, they just could take over the old buildings and restructure them and then implement a better political system or a direct democracy system there. And that would be the capital of Maine, you know? And so what possibilities would come from that? Yeah. Mm. Uh, I, I have family that lives right outside Augusta and I'm very familiar with the area. Um, Mm. It's uh, all, I mean, everybody's ready for this. The, the idea is here at the right time. We have it. Now we have Mm. to get it out there. And uh, I'm hoping that we can somehow raise money for the union to promote the direct democracy, to get direct democracy out there. And Mm -hmm. the other function of the union was also going to be uh, to come up with a standard of direct democracy that the political parties that promote direct democracy would abide by. So therefore rooting out extremism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I've noticed there are there are a lot of people. Once you step outside, once you step off the the uh, the normal path, you see there's a lot of a lot of wackos. I've noticed. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and there's a lot of like the populism right now that's hitting the United States and even Europe is a little bit scary when it comes to what could be possible if you're not careful with direct democracy in a sense, like for certain communities. I mean, also I, I'm willing to a limit, allow people to be really different from each other in their own towns, you know, and if people don't get along with the town that becomes direct democracy, you just move to a different one as long as they're not, you know, becoming combative with your different type of community. And if anything, that would be better to have the diversity. But, you know, when it comes to certain forms of extremism, there's, you got to be careful, for sure. You got to draw a line, and that's one of the most valuable mm-hmm. things we, I think we could be doing as as uh, builders mm-hmm. right now, is is trying to make it very clear what is beyond it, what is outside the boundaries of acceptable. Because once mm-hmm. we have that outlined, once we have the boundaries established, then we mm-hmm. have it, it. We have a very easy way to turn to the people we're advertising direct democracy to, and to let them know that, uh, you know, this we we all agree that this world will not accept things like sex trafficking uh mm. you, you know we we try and not be too picky about things but there's a there's like some just really terrible things people want to yeah. do for money or uh they think that it's okay to like be uh gay people or they think that their religion gives them the right to kill their daughter or she dates <laughs> outside the you know yeah. and there's just yeah. there's just some shit we have to call out and we have to draw lines on and then, uh, and then that that will help us in terms of making peace with the others because we can let them know that this is 
this is a totally reasonable and logical movement. There's we have everything going for us. We just I think mm-hmm. we really need a, a, a really positive, a really powerful net-based technology to let people know that uh, uh, an infinitely better governance process is possible, that we can exploit the, the differences and, and possibilities between physical space and digital space to create uh, a process that was physically impossible before. Uh, no one even dreamed of this stuff, and uh, suddenly they're able to do everything from run house meetings to... Uh, run their city to run their country or make agreements as, as uh, species. Um, why don't what, really we just need a better process? That's what it is. I was going to mm-hmm. say, Anthony, why don't you tell Alex about Lawgen? Oh yeah. Uh, so we're trying to create our medium off of a wiki for all solutions to everything, even if it's not political. And this will be open source, so we're happy to collaborate or merge if anyone really. Uh, likes it, and, and they're going to. Uh, we have a very few uh, things that we, you know, we aren't going to be open-minded to, uh, about. Uh, in particular, uh, we want people to be. Uh, we want it to be transparent. You know, we really want people to know that even if someone managed to hack this thing, that that you could just add up the votes and see if they they uh, worked out the way they're supposed to, or uh, visit accounts and see if they're bots or not, you know, see their activities, see their friends and mm-hmm. all that. Uh, so people can have a, they can they can trust it on a, on a deep, yeah. fundamental level. And that's uh, ultimately so, the goal yeah. of uh, Flux's app, SecureVote, is to provide that for everybody. And it's not just built, like our voting app is not made just for Flux. We're actually making it so that anybody uh-huh. can use it. Any other political cool. party, like we're not gonna we're not gonna bar our competition. If there's another political party that is trying to do what we're doing basically, but wants That's to compete so with cool. us, they can use our voting app. And it also can yep. be used by communities, by any organization. And we've built it so that it's powerful enough to be able to handle that many people in that many different places and organizations. That's yeah. That's what makes open source the way to go, man. That's that's part of why I call this open source governance. Do you do you use that term? What do you call it? For for what? For the uh, the uh, are you guys? Uh, you're building a governance app, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's a it's a voting app. So, like, I yeah. could uh, put a vote to my community, and they could they could log into it, and then we could we could vote on stuff. Exactly. That's governance, isn't it? Like, theoretically, you could just scale that on up to city and federal, uh-huh. federal, right. global. Right? Exactly. So, yeah, all levels. Source governance, or do you do you prefer to not call it government, or what do you mm. do with the nomenclature? What do we call it? Uh, well, we actually have a particular thing that we've been designing that we call issue-based direct democracy uh ib or yeah ibdd issue-based direct democracy and it's sort of like a enhanced uh version of direct democracy to allow people to make sort of specific decisions and kind of like organize specific decisions so that people of certain specialties in different fields can work together on um, issues that are relevant to them uh, on the point of that sort of nomenclature, right now, it's if there is something we say, it's slipping my mind. 
I would agree with that, though. Open source governance, yeah, totally. Yeah, we're, we're applying the open source principles. Uh, it sounds like your software is open source. Is that correct? It's almost com entirely open source. Uh, there's one aspect of it that is uh, copyrighted, and it's only the part of the app that sort of collects and packages the votes for the Bitcoin network. And uh, I couldn't actually give you the best explanation for um, exactly why, why that is. Open source. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think it has to do just with, like, because it's just a small feature that if we made that part open source, all of the other direct democracy like groups could basically just jump in front of us and make a less secure, less um, you know, dependable, like pretty much everything that involves security and like dependability and all that, that's all open source. It's just this one algorithm that we've invented that we don't have open source. That's understandable. I know the blockchain yeah. stuff is pretty complicated, and a lot of times if you want uh, something programmed, uh, you, you have to refer to, you know, you, you take what you get. Uh, it's, mm. it, you definitely obviously take an open source approach as much as you can, and yeah. uh, and are letting people use the the all, as many elements as, as you can. Yeah, ideally we would have it entirely open source, but we're also realizing that we're working with through this system to change the system. So it's sort of a give and take relationship with the current system. Where have you gone to find programmers? What's what's your process been? Our head programmer is one of the founders of the party in Australia. Wow, that's awesome. Have you reached out to uh, Free Code Camp or VolunteerMatch.org uh, or anything? I'm not totally sure. I'm not a programmer myself. I'm more of just a philosopher, you know, sort of person that's interested in making these sort of things possible. Cool. Do you make media? Do you ever? Uh, were you working on the video or anything? Yeah, I uh, made this helped make this last video that we have. Uh, you can see it on our Facebook page. I'm not necessarily like a media expert in any sort of sense, though, though I dabble and do what I can. Yeah, neither am I. I, I find that there's a, a lot of powerful media that doesn't really uh, require a degree or anything in particular. It's, uh, you know, some of the best memes, some of the best videos have just been pure character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that if you have a good idea, then presentation is only part of it. Yep. Mm. Yeah, I, I, it's definitely an important part of what is going to evolve with the Flex Party in the U.S. is what sort of team we build and needing people that are experts at media and different other factors, even when it comes to, like, accounting and uh, you know, the person that's helping me, Morgan, he's got a lot of experience with um, political compliance. So he's been essential in the early stages of just making sure that the way we organize and get ourselves registered with the FEC is legal and kosher. Registered with the FEC? Uh, is that your tax bureau? Or is that what you did to become a federal election commission? Oh, wow. Okay. So does that mean you're going to actually be like trying to get on the ballot? 
We are just right now a political action committee, and that's mostly for a sort of repository to help the local parties get organized. And the process for becoming like a national party actually requires you to first be on ballots. And so it's a, it's a very complicated process in the United States to become a political party. And yeah, early on, what we have to do first is um, if one of the requirements is actually to have like, I think at least a dozen uh, candidates that have been on the ballot at federal elections in at least like five different states. And there's a couple of other different requirements. So uh, to the full extent of registration, that's going to take us some time. I see. I'm sorry. Huh? Can your app be applied to uh, non-political things, though? Uh, I've I've had this uh, the strategy in mind. I call it the reverse Trojan effect, where basically instead of trying to flip something bad in there, you're trying to help them, but you you get in through other means. So I've noticed a lot of people hate politics. They hate anything political. Mm -hmm. They don't want anything to do with it. Um, and so I was thinking it might be possible to reach those people by making it so that the the decision making system or the the yeah the decision making system can be applied to anything even things that aren't political at all definitely that's uh a huge part of it anybody can utilize it but like uh so like if I was in a non profit like food not bombs and we wanted to make a decision, I could just post that and anyone could log in and work on it mhm mm exactly that's cool um mm -hmm. have uh what what are your ideas on uh or do you know uh how big is the team working on this like how many uh people are working on the, on the software and are are particular about the design right now yeah. they're in a second wave of fundraising uh oh. to accomplish the stress test they raised like half a million dollars and uh built that the back end of the app and now they're raising a second level of funds to be able to build the front end and finish up the app. And so uh, I actually have a meeting in a couple of days with the Australian guys to talk about some updates to see what's going on. Uh, it's actually been a little while, like at least a couple of weeks, maybe even a month since I've talked to them. So I'm sure there's a lot of new news that I don't actually know about yet. We'd love to cool. have them on the show with you as well. I'll talk to them about that. That I'm sure they would love it. Oh, awesome! Yeah. This is I'm I'm. I feel the energy of direct democracy, and where the world sits now, the Overton window has never been more open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The truth. Yeah, that's oh. um, that's that was something one of my favorite philosophers, uh, Roberto Mangabeira Unger, mentioned when asked about the the election. He he, they you know said, you know, what are all the consequences and like you know how much worse was it that Trump was elected? And he flat out said, you know, I honestly think that it was better because yes. the way that we are being shaken up and you know 
the problems being exposed, it's really pushing us to have to find a solution and actually do something. Whereas in the, the other case, it would have been much more stable with Clinton and maybe just a continuance of the, the status, status quo. quo. And so we wouldn't Absolutely. have, yeah, we wouldn't have been shaken up by it. It would have just been, you know, whatever. No, I wanted yep. this. I wanted this. Yeah. When it was presented, I said, bring it on because it's going to make the change come <laughs> much faster. Bring it. Yep. And and I ne- in my wildest dreams I could never have thought he would be this ridiculously dumb, but I mean oh my man, goodness oh yeah man. same man oh it's man so funny <laughs> you can't I mean to say I just was in the Middle East when he's in Palestine coming from Israel I mean hello uh I mean it's so embarrassing too you know it really is. Uh, just traveling, I've been. I spent the last five months in Asia, and I was traveling through a lot of Muslim countries. And the people would regularly come up to me, and you know, it was it's common for just people to be so friendly and want to talk to you. But they always ask, of course, where are you from? And then I tell them America. And some of their first things would always say, you know, oh, you know, what a pity, you know, why why your country hate us so much? Why your country, you know, do this and Trump and you know, saying like, what's going on? And I'm always like, I am not like a representative of this problem. Like, you know, please, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yep. the weight yep, that we have with- to bear with him is just unbearable, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but with also yeah. with the election, with uh, Trump winning the election, it's also uh, causing a huge divide. I mean, you mm-hmm. have this uh, left, and you, now you have the this left and this right, this Antifa and this, which uh, you know could could really escalate uh, really quickly. I mean, it, all it takes is for for one thing to happen, and then I mean, mm. it, I mean, it could be a civil war. So, I mean, do you think it, it it's is, really I mean, that divided though, when it comes to like classical classical Republicans? Uh, do you really think that they are that behind Trump to like create that much of a division? Or is well, it almost like point, three divisions? He's, he's like rubbing orbs with, mm-hmm. with brown people and all kinds of shit now. <laughs> I have no idea where, they're, where their community is standing. Mm-hmm. I hear it's well, it's a, it. The funny thing is is that you know the, the people that support him, they, they want to build this wall, and they want to keep up the same people that he's actually visiting. Mm-hmm. And, right. I, and I don't know how they can justify it. Now these I don't know what you want. Southerners? I don't know. I, I don't know. The, or... or, or conservatives, I guess, that vote for this guy, and they don't see the mm-hmm. hypocrisy in it, but at the same time, I mean, again, it's an ideology, right? I don't think they even care about Trump. I think they, they just care that he's Republican. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the divide, right? It's like, yeah, I'm a Republican, and it's the red, white, and blue. And, they'll, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's so ridiculous that they're willing to go in the streets and beat people up and even, and, you know, even get killed for it. So I, I mean I don't know if there is a divide. I mean uh, I can only go by what I see on on YouTube and stuff, and I see all these demonstrations happening. Yeah. And then again you have these uh, fascist antifas, and, and I'm looking at all these guys, and I'm like, you guys are just ridiculous. And it's like you, mm. you know you're not really solving anything. You're just you're just creating more, if not worse. You know you're going to let it escalate to a point where it's it, it will become a civil war because one stupid thing that you, that you actually do do can erupt. Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair, if you do nothing in the face of oppression, it just keeps getting worse too. Yeah, but we're, we're, we're really between a rock and a hard place is where that goes, and that, that's why I think that 
the linchpin theory actually can apply to some of these these technologies because if we get a technology out there and it's helping uh, a large larger and larger number of communities do what they do uh, and it becomes totally indispensable to them and and people realize you know in, in the digital realm you can do things like fold space you can you can break rules there and so the if we have a medium that exploits enough of those uh of those abilities that exploits enough of 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 those um mm -hmm. in a in a beneficial way then people will realize that we are working with technology that's 300 years old it's incredibly obsolete this would be like us riding a horse and buggy it's it's just it's it's it would be romantic but people are dying like it's not yeah not, right right so uh, that's I why feel... the Lynchman theory applies. Hey, you don't have to throw a Molotov cocktail. We're not asking mm -hmm. you to vote Democrat. We are, we are, we are letting you know that a better thing is out here. You can use it concurrently. Mm -hmm. We can use this to try and get our current representatives to uh, to vote in accordance and, and expose them when they don't. Right to show them, hey, this is a way better option than the crap you're voting on or proposing, um, but also to put it forward as the as the end goal, as the the thing that we would eventually in, install uh, legalistically. Uh, hopefully, I, you know, we might not be given the chance, but at the very least, we're going to try to do it peacefully. And if we try our yeah. damnedest to do it peacefully, and they will not let us, then everyone will know that that mm -hmm. that we tried peace. And that we're not just a bunch of thugs. We are an organized community that will not allow people to oppress us forever. Yeah, I think we have a we have uh, a caller on the line that would like to ask a question. Go ahead, six zero two. Yeah. Hello, um, this is Chris. Uh, oh, Chris. Beforehand, yeah. Uh, uh, Nick, beforehand, this isn't the forum, but I want to apologize. We'll talk later and uh, work on that. Uh, okay. My question is um, uh, to you, Alex, and to everybody else talking, um, you guys seem to have a lot of faith in the general public. And, you know... Can I speak to that? I, I think I already know where you're going, and, and I have a good answer. I have faith that communities integrated properly with information specialists such as scientists and other professionals like construction workers will be able to create ideas that are better than the ideas that we are currently being given the option to vote on today. So no, I'm, I don't think that we're going to build a utopian society by having some stupid mob rule digital thing. I think what, what we need to do is connect scientists and specialists who build who who know what it means to build a skyscraper or flood a basin or something like that the information specialists the professionals mm. we want them to be well connected with communities and for everyone to be generating ideas and to mm. be refining them collectively and producing the best ideas possible yeah I, I i totally agree with what you're saying here anthony but can i just hear uh the way that Chris wanted to phrase his question. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to shut him down. No, no. That's okay. I totally answer. agree with you. It, it, uh, that is a good answer, but um, and that is close to the question I was going to ask, but the question really is, once you put something out there to be voted on, what stops the money interests from um, blowing you guys away, blowing any good idea away with misinformation in a 30, 60, or two-minute 
30, 60 second or two minute commercial uh, from all the, the great science and all the truth that we know uh, and the masses not being exposed to. That's I, I see that the two of us have different yeah. answers. You go first. Uh, I would say that's a, that's a very serious problem to be considered. And I'm sure that those are the sort of things that we are going to be encountering. One thing that I immediately think of is that a lot of the people that are going to be, or the majority, I think, of the people that are going to get involved with the flux movement are people that probably are more based on technology and getting their media from technology. And so their news sources are more diverse and generally less susceptible to this sort of action. And then lodge an answer. Uh, there, we're actually making it so that when you vote on something, that the the user has the ability to drop things like debates and notes into the script. There's little tokens people can expand to to look on if they want. So um, basically, at the end of the day, when they actually go to vote, no matter what bullshit they've seen, um, they're going to be exposed to all the most pertinent information right there on the ballot so that um, people can say, yes, their advertisement said that. Here's a link to this video that, that breaks down the arguments they presented. Um, someone will just present memes. People present information, whatever forms that works for them, and that's, that's often better for the audience, too, because they, they'll interpret the messages from information in the forms that they want. So uh, basically the idea is you make a really interactive ballot that, um, that uh, has – uh, basically folded the space we call a conversation. It, or, uh, someone can speak and say a whole bunch of things, and, and without interrupting them, you can put something important right in the middle of what they said. Um, that way you can dispel myths and misinformation, no matter how much of it's out there. I, I hope that's true. And, and you, know, you. you know, I've been following you for two or three weeks, Anthony, and, and you know, every day I think I get closer and closer to your your opinions, um, but I'm honored. Um, do you do you really think that money can't build bots to uh, again overwhelm Logen or any other system? Yeah, I've been I've been debugging the the attack the attack methods available to it's the opposition. It's not an attack method. It's just that they they can outnumber you, can't they? That's so. That's part of their attack. It, the, when a person's trying to destroy something you're working on, you, you know, it's like with computing. You're trying to figure out the bugs. Where, where is this going to go wrong? How could someone hack this? How could the system crash? Um, and at this point, it's I've I've been thinking like an evil CEO trying to destroy this thing, and I realize that yeah, as a CEO, your hands become completely tied. Uh, there's uh, right now what they're trying to do is. I, I don't know how much of this you want me to discuss in particular, but um, there's there's a lot of things that they can do, but not a lot of them would work against something like this if you build it properly because you can't it, you can't demonize it. It's not a political position. It's uh, it's it's omnipolitical like Wikipedia. So you you can't you can't call it a dirty commie. You can't call it a drug addict. All you could say is that it will fail. In which case, we can come in and give the hard sell and say, actually, no, you can be empowered like you want to believe it, and here's every means that you need to to believe it. In fact, here's a community that's using it, and they love it. Uh, why don't you log on? And, 
with Login, we're saying here's a wiki for all solutions to all problems, even if they're physical with your your knee or your eyes, or it's you have you think the English language needs a word doesn't have yet, or anything. We can come together and work on it. Yeah, I don't I, see what they could I do. I, they could try hacking it. That's why I think we need to keep it transparent. That's why I, that's one of my deal breakers for merging or or uh, or yeah, merging projects with yeah. anyone else open source. Well, my question isn't about hacking. It's it's just about bots that become people and that you don't know they're bots. You know what I mean? Uh, and bot accounts. And, yeah, that's that's a common problem. But but like I said, that's that's nothing new. Uh, and and there's things you can do about bot accounts. I, I mean, uh, if you're well, really I good, spot you can them all the time. Let's sniff them out. I yeah. spot them all the time. I they come in and try to uh, infiltrate the groups that I admin. You know, um, yep. you, you, when you have a real human being that can check a profile to see that it's fake, you know. Um, People can't. People can't pretend to be real. They, they have to have real friends. They have to have a real life. They have to have, you know, it's detectable. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you can also run algorithms on what they're, what uh, information they're putting out, like the text. You know, if they're repeating mm-hmm. the same information again and again, or uh, there, there's just certain things that a bot needs to do that you can have your website sniff out. Okay. That's my well, still here. Hmm. So um, I have uh, something I would add on that if there's a break. Please. Sure. Uh, so something that I think is a important point about this sort of change, and I think it fits in with what Anthony's working on, is that what we want to create is really good policy that's like very agreeable. And in a sense, like I was saying earlier in the show, was that we're sort of trying to emulate more of like a scientific uh, perspective that politics can be something that's like more objective, like that there's really good policy that people can agree upon in like a massive scale. And that what we're searching for is something that in a sense is replicable in its ability to be agreed upon. So say this vote is put up and big money comes and tries to mess up this vote and they succeed and the vote doesn't go through then the way the system is built flux, you know, it's like, it's about fluidity and constant motion is that you just present the idea in a similar, but slightly different way a week down the road. (laughs) And then the vote comes up again and people will go for it. And the point is, is that we want policies that will be voted positively every single time because it really is a good policy. And that's the same way as like for scientific experimentation that, you know, the results that you're achieving are consistent. Amen. Um, Amen. Yeah. I'm glad I called. I'm, 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 I'm glad that my, my devil advocacy is uh, somewhat muted now. So yeah. it's uh, a great, it's a great <laughs> question, Chris. I really appreciate Appreciate it. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, uh, you don't know me, but it's just part of my background is is to to think about you know how, how corporations can crush things. So it's uh, and, and being that devil's advocate is essential. I have here um, a quote from uh, Pericles, one of the the greatest uh, one of the leaders of Athens, and um, I wanted to bring that up during the radio show just because it's one of the points that we really think about a lot in flux 
is that generally one of the que main questions that comes up uh, when it comes to democracy or comes to like how to run a country is about who should rule. Like that's the first question that comes up. But what we really think is important is like what Karl Popper says is the importance of being able to rid ourselves of a bad government without violence. And so the quote from Pericles talks about why Athens democracy was so good. And his answer was not because the people should rule, but because it promotes wise action, because it can makes continual discussion. Uh, his direct quote is, instead of looking upon discussion as a stumbling block in the way of action, we think of it as an indispensable pre preliminary to any wise action at all. And so the point is, is that in Greece, why democracy was so important and why it made such a successful place was there was the ability of constant criticism and constant communication. Right. Yep. Uh, I love that quote, Stephanie. You should give that to Stavros. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he so wants to, you know, bring up arms against his own government. So, uh, and I know they're frustrated over there, but yeah. I, I, I still don't know what they're asking for. Um, you know, other than just being mad about losing what they've lost, and 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 that's the discussion uh, that Alex is talking about. You know. Uh huh. Yeah. And that's the problem we come across with authoritarian regimes, and even in places that say they're democratic. I mean, even our own country is a great example of that. We're, you know, the freest places on place on the planet, supposedly. But it's so hard to have your voice heard. It's so hard to really have your criticism become a like a main topic that is brought up. And so it's really, in a sense, avoiding the continuous conversation that's necessary to make a good democracy. Yeah, that's yeah, what it is. I'm sorry, go ahead and say that again because I didn't hear it. Oh, it's it's that's key it, they have it exactly the way they want it. It's it's, it's keeping the status quo. That's mm -hmm. what the government is. It's it's a it's a democracy sponge. It's a people power sponge. It makes you mm -hmm. think that you can write to this person and you expend all your energy and you think you're a good citizen and really you you could have just been burning paper. It would it would have accomplished the same. Right, just yelling at the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and and if again, if you can you know meld science in and meld uh, good op-eds uh, about a, a subject or an issue. Um, you know, more power to you because, uh, I mean, we need to connect with uh, the general public. Uh, and and m another fear that I have about this movement is is the, the two biggest groups that I think that are um, involved with it, the movement being, you know, flux or direct democracy or whatever, are the polar groups, are the radicals on both sides. And, uh, and that's you know, that's healthy. Somebody has to start it. But, um, you know, somebody has to lose in that case, whether it's the left or the right. And I, I you know, I, I want the best idea to win. And, uh, and I don't know that all the ideas are really out there in, in the mix. If that makes any sense. Well, 
It, I mean, yeah. if it has the extreme left and it has the extreme right, and we have a decent number of people in the middle, which is most people, then uh, we'll be proposing all our different ideas. And as long as our medium is good, uh, then, right. then why, yeah. why adoption will follow. Yeah, the delivery process is, is entirely important. You know, uh, it's key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and in many ways I feel like I personally I have almost as much in common with the far right as I do with the far left. And like the the kind of the libertarian movement along with like the far left of like a social democracy sort of communist sort of perspective. And in you know, if anything I find myself somewhere in the middle, but I want to take and uh, choose between both sides. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, you become what you hate quite often. I mean, that's, uh, there are a lot of stories about that. Um, you know, it's, it's just that the basis for it, I think that we, um, that's why we become radicals, but then uh, one angle goes a different direction with it and the other side goes the other direction with it. It's, but, but the basis for why they have those feelings, it's, it's quite often the same. I agree with you. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of overlap. And I was going to say that earlier when we were talking about Trump supporters, that I think there's a certain type of people that just like the energy of sort of getting on the streets and getting involved with violence. And there's a small niche of people that have obviously taken up that sort of position. And then there's a a lot of Trump supporters that you obviously don't see going into the streets. And I think that the biggest chunk of Trump supporters I think the main reason they really support him is actually a sort of criticism of the system. You know, Trump presented himself as an anti-politician. And I think that even on that side, even though we find ourselves at a difference and we sometimes want to criticize people that are followers of Trump, like how can you not, you know, open your eyes and see like the ridiculousness of this. If you get to the core of it, maybe there's a lot more we share that what they really are just hoping for is somebody to shake up the system and, you know, change the current way of things. Yeah. That's why I yeah, say they're I, having their Obama moment. <laughs> they they had <laughs> hope and now it's being crushed. <laughs> that's yeah. I, um, they didn't get what they, they thought they were buying. That's true. Right. Um, right. Uh, you were talking about, one of your partners, um, and I lost my notes, uh, um, the guy from, is it Seattle? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Morgan Griffiths. Uh, yeah, I looked him up while, while the first half of the radio show was on. I saw, <coughs> sorry about that. I saw uh, one of his um, uh, tweets from a few months ago, and it said, all you Bernie people who who voted for um, Trump, I understand. I went to a place and ordered a Coke, and all I had was Pepsi, so I set my hair on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I like your partner, uh, or, or your, your yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he's a really he's a really cool guy. I really like him too. Yeah, that was that was clever. Um, so anyway, I, I'm going to shut up now and let you guys talk, but, but thank you for letting me on. Thanks so much, Chris. It's been a pleasure. Are you going to stay on, Chris? Don't you want to go on a hold? But, uh, you know, it, 
I, I want the you know I want Alex to talk and I I, I want this message to get out. So you know Thanks, I might talk Chris. back in, but, but but go ahead and talk, people. Okay. That 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 was my first uh, partner for the radio show. Oh yeah. Oh, cool. So uh, I keep thinking a lot about this this idea of working with existing networks. As you said earlier, Alex, uh, there's a lot of people already working and networking, uh, and and we really should call upon those networks because they're the best place to start for sure. But um, at the same time. I've I've noticed that it can be hard to do that because a lot of times people don't realize how their struggle ultimately boils down to a problem with governance, and that mm-hmm. uh, and that, that a lot of people hate just hate the word government. So the idea that you would ask like that someone would ask them to help create one is uh, a lot of people seem to take uh, very poorly to that. Have uh, have you been working on that at all, or on ways to get through to them or break past oh, that barrier? It's that's such a huge thing. And uh, before I answer that, I just want to like elaborate in that I really see the same issue is that the central problem is that and I could even point that out in things like depression and different psychological problems. Yeah. You know, it's, it's everywhere because I think that we are social animals, you know, humans are need to be social and we've somehow become fractured and alienated and separated and it's it's pretty scary especially when you read about the beginnings of the nazis in germany of like how isolated and separated the people became and how that made such a um platform for what rose and it's i think the central issue of our times is this ability to connect with people and work together and it comes to governance but it also comes to a lot of other issues um I mean, when it comes to where your food's coming from and being able to trust where your food is coming from and who's producing it or even making it easier to be able to, you know, make a sustainable uh, uh, production of food. May I add to that for a moment? Yeah. Uh, so my, my major was psychology, and so I've done a mm. lot of thinking about isolation and, and what policies could actually remediate that. And I find that well, A, whatever I think or figure out is nothing compared to the creative power of billions of humans working on that with a good system. Exactly. You know? uh-huh. uh, but, but Amen B, to that. What would that look like? You know, how do we how do we get that message across to people? How do we paint that picture? What does the picture even vaguely look like? And uh it it seems uh it seems like people naturally need to just be they need different spaces that bring people into places where they'll be together. And right now, we have everything capitalism needed. So did capitalism need to sell us uh, places to get drunk and to, to push its, its substances? Absolutely. Um, but do we have a place where a teenager 
who's been uh, to just feel suicidal can fucking just go and be with other people and maybe just see art or you know mm-hmm. the community centers close down super early they're they're not really shaped by the uh, shaped by the needs of the people that right. they, they could be serving and so right. that's that's a lot of what opened that's that's to me how it is that personal psychological health most distinctly relates to bad policy mm. processes because we're not we're not able to dankify our cities and make tree houses and cop buildings and these weird musical places people hang out and groove at and all this um, yeah we only have what capitalism was uh willing to offer us essentially right. i totally agree with you on that you know we have three occupiers left here nick had to go so, okay oh, okay so uh, Chris cool. is still on the line. Chris, I brought you back in. Nick had to go. Are you still, can you hear <laughs> well, me, Chris? Okay. Can you hear and, me? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, so we have uh, uh, about 20 minutes left, and uh, whatever's on your mind. Well, Alex, so to, um, hmm. you, you you've got a, a background in psychology too, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh. I just. Uh, cool. Yeah, I I did a lot of looking up in the first hour. <laughs> uh, cool. But, That's the way yeah, to do well, it. I, you just yeah, Google. <laughs> I, um, and uh, you know, so you know, there is I I I believe in education and I believe in experts and and all that sort of thing and and you know bringing Anthony in and and all of this it's it's really important but I, we do need to network and we do need to. Uh, to think about, um, you know, you know, talking about words that that don't inflame and 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 bring out uh, the 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 most fair kind of conversation. It's going to be tough, but uh, I'm glad that we have people like you guys out there, um, you know, at the uh, the front of the infantry or whatever you want to call this right now. But, you know. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. Um. I really feel that that's. I, I really agree with what um Anthony was just saying about the community spaces, and uh, I make a. I, I see an interesting connection, and it's kind of like a difficult and sometimes controversial topic to get into, but it's connected to uh like a this book that I read called The Evolution of God, by Richard Wright. I think he was the Stanford religious professor. Uh, just released maybe five years ago or so. And he parallels the, the evolution of the idea of God and religion sort of led to the formation of science and like monotheism, you know, really made the platform to make it possible for this like unified system of knowledge. And I've really seen that the next sort of progression is the problem that science has really become a way of isolating us in a lot of ways in our capitalist society. Like the way science is used is really devoted to science and that in that process we've really lost those like religious communal spaces that once existed and i see politics as sort of sort of the parallel of what religion used to be and providing people that space of community and being able to you know spontaneously organize and connect and do whatever sort of communal activities that their particular community prefers. That makes sense. And that would also explain why you see uh, desperation lead to extremism. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. It's because it's, I think like a backtracking, you know, people become extremists because they see that the religion that they're interested in is sort of dwindling and, you know, disappearing, or at least it's under criticism because science is sort of usurping that position in many ways. And then they become desperate and then act out. And I mean, there's a lot of other psychological things that come along with that, but I'm really psychological too. Just purely. They'll be like, yeah, fuck the Muslims. Someone's like, let's make the sand glow green. They're like, yeehaw. Like that, <laughs> yeah, that's very deadly. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, well, there's, a lot, there's a lot of the depression that you mentioned, too, which also makes people sit on their hands, too, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Apathy. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, the feeling of hopelessness. I don't know that it's always apathy, but it uh, it, it tears people apart. That they feel like they, 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 they see something, but they, they can't they don't know how to get involved in a way that's meaningful. Yeah. yeah. Or they just believe that they reach a point where they're like, I can't, they just tell themselves and the circuits there and they just keep using it. Mm. I can't do anything. It doesn't work. Yeah. They're smarter I think, people than me working on this and they're not making progress. So what would I do? I think one piece, once people get the word of direct democracy and what that means and that the technology is here and um, we can have this better, not a perfect world, but a better world. Um, it is possible we can do it now. We don't have to wait for some 200 more years to go by before we catch up. Yeah. You know? And that, in mm-hmm. fact, this is exactly what it would look like. Like, it's, you know, you think it's like at the end of the day, it's going to boil down to people realizing a better way is possible and then pushing for it. So that this is right. what it looks like. This is what democracy looks like. We are what <laughs> yeah. democracy looks like, and we are occupy, mm-hmm. and we're we were seeds that were planted, and look how we're sprouting. You know. Yeah, yeah. I still have so many friends that were occupiers. Me that, too. Yeah. You know, we regularly we connect and we say, "What happened? What's next?" You know, we've been waiting for years, and I was at the five year anniversary just passed, and we're still, you know, okay, what's next? And just like Occupy spread like wildfire, it's just waiting for that sort of idea to arise again. Yeah. It can really like the, the embrace people. And, the, yes. the best way to imagine the linchpin theory is, is you have a truck load of stuff that and that's trying to roll off the back of the truck. It's parked uphill or something, and you have this pin that's holding the gate closed. And if you just pull that fucking pin all this pressure is going to be released because the energy is there. It's already there. And yes. uh, that, that, I mean, I'm, I really don't think I'm kidding myself in that. It seems like the, the people are fed up with their governments. We're fed up with working with 17th century technology. And once someone comes along and they say, hey, did you know we could, like, take a quantum leap forward? And they actually see it, and it works really good. And and I think that a lot of people have been working on that because they know. Like, uh, there's a great list, a huge list uh, we could show you of of people working on peer governance projects. But the the primary barrier that they encounter, and you might be encountering this a lot with the Flux Party, is this this thing where people see something that is political, because it needs to be, and it's it's uh, and I agree it's an efficient thing. If we were all more intelligent, we would say, oh, subcomponent A is necessary. We will we'll adopt it. But right now we have uh, an irrational species that looks at uh, net governance, and they go, oh, that's 
like socialism or something. I don't know what that is. I we have know. a caller. You want to take a caller? Are you excited? Yeah. Get excited. Here we go. Area code three oh five, you're up. You're on the air. Hi, how you doing? My name is John. A uh, very interesting discussion going on. Um, so uh, I spoke. Hi, I so I spoke to uh, Max K from the uh, from the EXO party. Uh, I mean the EXO company that that is apparently doing the uh, software for the um, Flux party. And uh, I guess uh, um, I just wanted to clear the record, I guess, or maybe get some more insight from maybe Alex, who's uh, affiliated. Uh, but that apparently the algorithm that is said to be closed source or proprietary is uh, not going to be proprietary, but rather, um, like, uh, I guess my question here, first question, I have three, but is that um, uh, the Flux Party wants to, uh, or EXO um, wants to sell the algorithm so that they can, so two governments, with uh, without the most pristine track track record, um, so that they can, so that people can build proprietary clients around it. I, I guess I guess my my question here is, does the Flux Party? Uh, I mean, there's obviously a monetary interest um, for uh, in uh, selling the technology, at least a, a bit of the technology here. So um, I guess. Uh, let me let me follow this up with um, um, no never mind uh yeah this is a, the the algorithm is is not going to be proprietary so i think it's it like as far as from a security standpoint um the the software has to be open and transparent so people can can scrutinize it in my opinion uh I was wondering if I could get some feedback on on uh you know like say a proprietary client or something proprietary in a in an app would be able to like for example run analytics on uh what what somebody is voting for for example or uh you know so if if I could get a little more insight on on if something would be closed source of the if if Alec maybe Alex has in, insight so on what would be what you're asking about is that small portion of the app that is closed source if that's going to be a threat to the verify, like the ability to verify and be transparent and understanding how the system works, like that it could possibly be a conflict of uh, the app being secure. Integrity of the vote. Yeah. Sorry, say that again? Basically. Of the integrity um, of the vote, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe that the way that it's organized is that the – Everything that is really functioning and visible in the app will verify and show that everything is secure and that the part that is closed source won't justify or won't jeopardize the transparency of the app. Okay. So the, the, the uh, algorithm, which uh, apparently I, uh, Max uh, said it was an anonymization algorithm, like to prevent the any sort of active attacker from being able to jeopardize the uh, you know jeopardize the identity or uh, compromise someone's identity. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, if if that's like a small, tiny little algorithm that, I mean, 
I don't know. I guess I'd I'd have to I'd have to think about that a little more. But I mean that's that's not the uh, that's not the biggest uh, not the biggest issue. Anyway, um, well, I, I think that any kind of electronic voting, you would worry about that sort of thing. Is that correct? Well, Definitely. I mean, uh, um, if if the, like I I was thinking that maybe you know like if if it's truly decentralized and flux is is not in it is not in the in the movement to be uh, you know the sole provider of this type of technology or this type of service then, uh, you know, then the threat of someone being able to run analytics or Flux being able to run analytics on what someone's actively voting for or something like that, it was, you know, minimized. So you want the demographics of people and which way they're going with it, which way they're voting. Is that yeah, what you mean by like that? You know, that's, yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. That's, yeah, that's that would be things. real interesting. Um, uh, I mean, both in a good mode and a bad mode, uh, um, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, you know when you you ask questions of people at the polling places right after they they voted, and and they talk about like that, that in the nightly news. You know that that's that is interesting, but but you wouldn't want want the individual voting to be cracked into. I think that would be a, a fear. But I um I I think Alex has addressed it. Yeah. His, Let me explain. Let me explain Mm -hmm. how the app makes the vote secure uh, while at the same time making the voter anonymous. Basically, how it's going to function is, well, the way that the voters are actually kept in check is through the government's actual like voting system. Or in the United States, we also have the option of like using the local parties. That's one of the thoughts that we've had is to verify users by just by making them register through the local parties to verify their identity. But then um, in the case of actual voting, the voter will make their vote and they'll be given a ticket number, which then will be registered in the block of the vote so that they can go and check that their vote has been uh, accounted for, but that nobody actually can see is their vote so that in the future they couldn't be pressured or, you know, there's not any like register, there's not any record that says what this individual actually voted for so that that could be any sort of problem in the future. So it's like a sort of like two step process that protects the voter, but also makes it accountable. Okay. What are your other two questions? Um, Right. Uh, it, it seems like you, you guys are working on it, and, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bet that you guys are doing this in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the interest of the people. But as far as, uh, as, far as direct democracy goes, the second question is, what, what is stopping you from partnering with an organization like Democracy Earth, uh, also based in San Francisco? I mean, sorry, we've, not also, but they're based in the U.S. We've, talked, um, mm-hmm. we've actually talked with Democracy Earth um, about working with them. And uh, I would say that our relationship is definitely mutual, you know, that, that we want the same things to be accomplished. But the main difference is, is that Democracy Earth is focusing on creating a new layer of politics, like a metapolitics outside of the current political sphere. And we're trying to change the system from within. Um, can, you go, can you go into uh, um, 
Okay. All right. So um, you okay? So you have a, a a bit of a different ideology there. Um, uh, um, Democracy Earth is a bit more meta. Let me get my third question here uh, in here because I, I'm seeing you guys are running low on time. Um, okay. Uh, so how 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 would you get the poorest people to access the system, like uh, like those without electricity, those that depend on like voting, uh, you know, through through paper ballots or mail-in ballots, even if they have a permanent address, for example. Uh, like, would you mm-hmm. partner with uh, with with governments or with municipalities to like subsidize, you know, some kind of access or provide like electronic voting machines with access to a flux platform to be able to, you know, cast votes or something like that, for example. Mm-hmm. In that case, it is definitely a complicated aspect to consider. And uh, my answer will be a couple of answers. Um, I mean, first, obviously, the focus right now is on the people who have access so that we can even just get Mm -hmm. this rolling and start testing it. Um, The next thing is that, in my experience, it's surprising how far technology and electricity reaches. I mean, I've traveled in India and Africa, and people that make a dollar a day somehow still have a smartphone. And it blows your mind, you know. I mean, you realize that the smartphones that we have only cost like a dollar to produce. We just get them sold to us for $500. And so when you go to places that are you would expect not to find these things, it has reached, you know, beyond expectations. Um, and in the cases where people don't have access, I think there's a lot of potential with things like, I think they call it the outer web, like those uh, sort of small satellites that are able to transmit information. And so that then a community could have, you know, this one, um, the, you know, outer web sort of satellite dish thing that would then process the community's votes and then, you know, transmit them. And that would be, I think, a little complicated, and especially when you get into, like, security, because, you know, who knows that the tribal chief of that small community isn't just voting for all of his, uh, his citizens and his little tribe or whatever. And so when it comes to that, it's definitely going to be a complicated um, thing to consider. But we believe that that's the sort of thing that is a challenge we can face and find solutions for. That'd be a nice problem to have. Once we get to that point. (laughs) Yeah, right. Once we get there. Yeah. Yeah. Once once you get the ball rolling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So, uh, and um, back to the second question quickly. Um, thank you for responding everything so far. Um, but uh, as far as a direct democracy versus what maybe you're referring to the meta problem that Democracy Earth is is trying to address, which is liquid democracy which um, as I understand it is basically direct democracy, but with the twist of delegation, as in I delegate mm-hmm. 20 votes of dedicated to economics or healthcare or education to my spouse or to my friend or to my uh, specialist doctor or specialist uh, figure. Um, that's, uh, uh, I read up a lot on democracy here. So um, yeah, I I think that liquid democracy and, and that that delegation thing would actually help a an effort like fluxes or direct democracy, so that it would be easier for people to be interested in the vote because people mm-hmm. lead busy lives in a nutshell. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. But um, yeah, flux actually fluxes. Yeah, John, um, flux is actually liquid democracy also. 
we 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 will utilize okay. that technology. Mhm. Okay. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, look in the lodge in too, John. Um uh, but I really appreciate Sorry, your call. I said look into to um Anthony, are you on? Can you tell us about Login? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Login.org. Uh, we're also in the development stage, so we don't, we don't, uh, we're not online yet. But uh, we we have a lot of things drawn up and written up. So if you want to see our media or our memes, check out Login.org. L a w g e n dot org. Oh, thank you. Yeah, L a w. It's like Law Genesis. Okay. Yeah. One, one last Excellent. question, Chad. How did you hear about this broadcast? Um, on the Democracy Earth Slack. Wow, great. Wow, great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Excellent. No, hey, uh, these are these are phenomenal efforts that that uh, that you guys are all discussing, and uh, mad props to the Flux Party, and I hope that you guys really yeah. push it hard because uh, you guys believe in this and. Uh, there are uh, people who will believe in this too. Thanks, John. Thank and I really hope um, I hope there's overlap between, and I think there is overlap between Democracy Earth and Flux Party. Even if our organizations don't necessarily merge, I think we represent a similar group of people who want change on every level. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's 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 no doubt about that. There needs to be transparency in government and and. Uh, you guys are definitely working on uh, working on that future. Please, please follow us on Blog Talk Radio, so you will be notified when our next show is. Because uh, we're sporadic; we don't have any set uh, times, so we do it uh, at any time we can get people together. So, Roger that. Thank you so much for calling. We really had a great time tonight. Thank you for having me. This is this has been awesome. Thank you very much, everyone. Take Thanks, care. John. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care, guys. We uh, we have three minutes left. So uh, any any closing thoughts? Uh, uh, I, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, go again. No, I was just I was just saying she always plays us out. But if you have a thought, please give it. Huh. I just want to say um, right now, I was saying earlier that the Flux Party is right now in uh, kind of the early stages of getting some things rolling in the United States. You know, I said we just got the video up and we're working on the websites just getting up. And uh, we just need as much help as possible. And we're looking for people who have similar ideas with us that uh, just want to get involved and help in any way possible. So I just want to put that out there to any listeners and to also to you guys. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a really great dialogue or uh, multi-log and uh, (laughs) it really was great. Thank you so much. Have a great night, everybody. Take care. I'm going to play one song. It's by uh, David Crosby called Names. Have a good night. Thank you so much. Good night. Good night. Who really run this land? And why do they run it with such a thoughtless hand? What are their names? And on what streets do they live? I'd like to ride, ride over. 
this afternoon and give them a piece of my mind about peace for mankind. Peace is not an all. 